We are now less than 24 hours away from the end of the presidency of Donald Trump. And hear me and hear me clearly. I am nothing but elated that this man is leaving. He is destructive. He is problematic. He is dangerous and not just his rhetoric, but his actions as well. And I am I am proud of all of us who voted this man out of office. Yet we are about to move in to what I know is going to be a very difficult political season. Because in a lot of ways, it's easy to oppose a supervillain like Donald Trump. But how willing are we going to be to push Joe Biden and his administration and the Democratic Party? How willing are we going to be to push those in the House and in the Senate to actually do right by us? It's one thing when you are opposing the Republican Party. But here we are. Democrats now control the House, the Senate, and the presidency. Are they going to do right by us, particularly on issues of justice? And I want to say where I think we're going, and I'm concerned. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. Some of you who are listening right now, you're not old enough to remember life after, particularly life immediately after 9-11. I was a student at Morehouse College, and I was actually writing. I was was the senior writer for our student newspaper, The Maroon Tiger. I had been student government president, had been really active in leadership. And I wrote an op-ed just probably three or four days after 9-11, saying that the United States had caused so much harm all around the world. And, and several students and I had just gotten back from the United Nations Conference Against Racism, which was in Durban, South Africa. And every country from all around the world was there. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people were there. It was a celebration. It was a gathering. I mean, it was a powerful, powerful moment. And when we came back to the United States, it was just a few days after we returned, having spent almost two weeks in South Africa, where we saw just from a very different perspective for the very first time, how much harm the United States, particularly the United States military, had caused all over the world. And so 9-11 happened just days after we returned from South Africa, and it colored how all of us saw the attack. Of course, I, I, to this day, loathe and, and disdain not only the men who did that, but the men who ordered it. It's just horrible, cowardly, vicious thing to do. However, I learned in the days after 9-11 that if you critiqued the United States government or the United States military, there'd be hell to pay. And I wrote an op-ed, and and I wish I could find it and and read it to you because it was not very radical. 
It was just saying the United States has to come to grips with the reality that we have caused so much harm around the world that there are people who loathe us, not because of our culture, not because of our quote-unquote freedom, but because of the real harm that we've caused all around the world. Thousands and thousands of people that we've killed in acts of war, in, in, in fake wars. And I thought they were going to kick me out of Morehouse. <laughs> like, literally, they had my mentor who I served on the board. I was on the Morehouse Board of Trustees because I was student government president. I served alongside Atlanta's first black mayor, Maynard Jackson, who was just like a living legend, a hero to me, like the man could walk on water to me. And the college had Mayor Maynard Jackson reach out to me and tell me like how deeply disappointed he was that I had these critiques of the country. And at the time, he was running to be one of the he was running to be the head of the Democratic Party, actually. And um, I had done campaign events with with uh, Maynard Jackson, and I think he was even frustrated that somebody he had mentored would would dare say these things. And they even called me, literally called me uh, to the office of the president and just said, like, listen, we're going to need you to retract this. And, uh, like, you're on thin ice. I... I'm not going to break down all that was really going on. Like the reality was I know now in retrospect as a grown ass man, that Morehouse was a super fragile institution economically. And the last thing they wanted was to put any of their economic interest in danger and having a student in the shadows of nine 11 saying, why are we causing so much harm around the world to, to the, to the extent that there are people willing to die to risk their lives to kill us. And it wasn't just me. It was many people who had shows canceled, columns canceled. Um, If you criticized even George W. Bush, who had been hated, if you criticized him in the shadows of 9-11, you were seen as an enemy of the country, even if you were a Democrat. His approval rating soared to above 90%. And even when he was making horrible, horrible decisions, if you critiqued him, you were seen as a sympathizer of terrorists. And it was, it was such that you were allowed to criticize the terrorist, but nothing else. And if you dared criticize the government, it could really get you in trouble. And in a lot of ways, I think we are in a bit of a post 9-11 moment right now. White supremacists and, and rabid Trump supporters literally attacked the United States Capitol. It was one of the most problematic, dangerous things that we've seen in our lifetime We now know very clearly that they were there to target and murder or kidnap members of Congress and and narrowly uh, 
you know, that it, it was narrowly avoided. And our nation is reeling from this. And what they did on, I think that date, January 6th, you know how I say 9-11, I think January 6th is now one of those days in American history that will, that will live in infamy. And, uh, and I'm sorry for all of you who were born on January the 6th and now have your birth date jammed up with this. Just like I've had friends across the years who were born on 9-11. That's a hard day to be born on now. Or, or, and I think January the 6th will be one of the same ways. And between the attack on the Capitol and the pandemic that is still killing thousands of people a day, If you criticize Joe Biden, even if the criticism is founded, if it's warranted, if you if you have a legitimate, sincere, earnest criticism of Joe Biden's policies. People are not going to be going for it. They're not. And what's wild is. When Joe Biden won the Democratic nomination and many of us still had criticisms of him saying, hey, this guy has to drastically improve his policies on justice, on policing, on incarceration, on the war on drugs. The primary retort, there were two things I would hear back from Democrats. What are you, a Trump supporter? That was the first thing I would I would hear that regularly. What are you? Do you want to see Trump get elected? It was like, no, no, no. I just want to see Joe Biden improve his policies on incarceration and policing. I hate Trump. You must want to see Trump get elected if you're criticizing Joe Biden. No, 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 no. Uh, Donald Trump is an evil, despicable human being, and I, and I do not want to see him elected. But anytime you mention a criticism of Joe Biden, people would default to, and not even of Joe, it didn't have to be of Joe Biden. It could just be of Joe Biden's policies, of his appointments. And people say, what are you, what are you, supporting Donald Trump? Well, now people can't say that you're supporting Donald Trump. And the second thing that I would hear regularly would be this. The man's not even in office yet. Can't you wait until he's in office? And so tomorrow, Joe Biden will be inaugurated. And the two primary things that I've heard, as we've said, this man has to do better on justice, on policing, on drugs, on incarceration. He has to do better on these core issues that matter deeply to me. People can no longer say, what are you, a Trump supporter? I mean, they, may, they can still say it, but it now seems ridiculous. And they can no longer say, can't you wait for the man to be in office? Because tomorrow he will be in office. Because here's what I've seen. Over the past two days, Joe Biden has announced a number of executive orders saying, I am signing this on my first day in office, and I'm signing that on my second day in office, and I'm signing this on my third day in office. And missing from all of those signings and declarations, and there are many of them, is virtually anything to do with mass incarceration, policing, policing justice, uh, uh, the, the, the so-called war on drugs, the things that he said he would address and confront on day one, he's not going to confront them on day one. Uh, at least according to the executive orders that he's announced. Maybe he'll surprise us. And I... I say that not flippantly or jokingly. Maybe he will. I doubt it. It would seem smart to have announced 
these executive actions, but I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not in the White House. And, and I'll close with this thought. I sincerely, earnestly, I've told my wife, my kids, my friends, and others this, our staff at the Grassroots Law Project this, I sincerely, earnestly am concerned about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and their administration because they have a hell of a job in front of them. I, I'm a leader, and I know what it's like to lead during conflict and difficult times. I advise daily many elected officials all over the country, and I know what it's like to, to, to see them lead through crisis. I believe Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have literally inherited maybe the most difficult mess since the American Civil War between the deep divisions in this country, between the attack on the Capitol, between the clear rise in white supremacy and Trumpism and a pandemic that has now, as of just a few minutes ago, killed over 400,000 people. Just staggering. We're on our way now to half a million people. What, what a difficult job they have in front of them. I, I say that like with, with warmth. And I say that still though knowing that because the job ahead of them is so difficult, they're going to use that as an excuse to do virtually nothing on issues of justice. And I hope I'm surprised. I do. I hope they shock the hell out of me. I hope that Joe Biden does better on issues of justice than he's ever done in his life. And that's a pretty low, I'm not mocking him. It's a really low bar because he has pretty much been one of the worst people in modern American history on issues of justice and mass incarceration. And so he has an opportunity to try to escape his past here and do right by the people who put him in office. We'll see if it happens. I've got to run. Love and appreciate all of you. Glad, glad, glad to be back. Um, I'm feeling well, ready to go. Let's keep on pushing for good. See you all again tomorrow on the final, final moment of the Donald Trump presidency. Let's go. Break it down. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we are the Momentum Advisors. Every single week, we talk about wealth management, personal finance, and entrepreneurship. We are financial advisors by day. We're entrepreneurs by night. We're building wealth for ourselves, and we want to make sure that you understand how to build wealth in your own family. Tune in for shows like Is Your Money Racist? Retirement Savings, Investment 101. We literally run the gamut on all the things that you need to know about financial wealth, creating a legacy for your family, and really just wealth creation as a whole. What we find is that these conversations are happening, but they're not happening as much as they need to in diverse communities. And so we're bringing a new voice, a new amount of energy, and we want you to tune in. So we bring the tips, we bring the strategy, and we always bring the good news. So make sure you tune in every week to the Momentum Advisors. There's something for everyone. Oh, 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 oh,
Don't be.